Section 48 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chao Xu Ting, translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie, Chapter 49, Part 1. White snow and red plum blossom in the crystal world. The pretty girl, fragrant with powder, cuts some meat and eats it. Changling, we will now proceed, perceived the young ladies engaged in chatting and laughing, and went up to them with a smiling countenance. Just you look at this stanza, she said. If it's all right, then I'll continue my studies. But if it isn't worth anything, I'll banish at once from my mind all idea of going in for versification. With these words, she handed the verses to Da Yu and her companions. When they came to look at them, they found this to be their burden. If thou wouldst screen Selena's beauteous sheen, thou'd find it hard. Her shadows are by nature full of grace, frigid her form. A row of clothes stones better, while she lights a thousand li. When her discs half and the cock crows at the fifth watch, this cold. Wrapped in my green cloak in autumn, I hear flutes on the stream. While in the tower, the red-sleeved maid leans on the rails at night. She feels also constrained to ask of the goddess Chang'er, why it is that she does not let the moon air remain round. The stanza is not only good, they with one voice exclaimed, after perusing it, but it's original, it's charming. It bears out the proverb, in the world there's nothing difficult. The only thing hard to get at is a human being with a will. We'll certainly ask you to join our club. Chang caught this remark, but so little did she credit it that fancying that they were making fun of her. She still went on to press Da Yu, Bao Chai, and the other girls to give her their opinions. But while engaged in speaking, she spied a number of young waiting maids and old matrons come with hurried step. Several young ladies and ladies have come, they announced smilingly, but we don't know any of them. So your ladyship and you, young ladies, had better come at once and see what relatives they are. What are you driving at? Li Wen laughed. You might, after all, state distinctly whose relatives they are. Your ladyship's two young sisters have come. The matrons and maids rejoined, smiling. There is also another young lady who says she's Miss She's cousin, and a gentleman who pretends to be Mr. She Peng's junior cousin. We are now off to ask Mrs. Che to meet them. But your ladyship and the young ladies might go in advance and greet them. As they spoke, they straightway took their leave. Has our Che Ke come along with his sisters? Bao Chai inquired with a smile. My aunt has probably also come to the capital. Li Wen laughed. How is it they've all arrived together? This is indeed a strange thing. Then, adjourning in a body into Madame Wang's drawing-rooms, 
they saw the floor covered with a black mass of people. Madame Sin's sister-in-law was there as well. She had entered the capital with her daughter, Xue Yan, to look up Madame Sin, but Lady Feng's brother, Wang Ren, had, as luck would have it, just been preparing to start for the capital. So the two family connections set out in company for their common destination. After accomplishing half their journey, they encountered, while their boats were lying at anchor, Li Wen's widowed sister-in-law, who also was on her way to the metropolis, with her two girls, the elder of whom was Li Wen, and the younger, Yi Qi. They all talked matters over, and induced by the ties of relationship, the three families prosecuted their voyage together. But subsequently, Shepan's cousin, Xie Ke, whose father had, when on a visit years ago to the capital, engaged his uterine sister to the son of the Han Nian Mei, whose residence was in the metropolis, came while planning to go and consummate the marriage to learn of Wang Ren's departure. So taking his sister with him, he kept in his track till he managed to catch him up. Hence it happened that they all now arrived in a body to look up their respective relatives. In due course, they exchanged the conventional salutations, and these over, they had a chat. Dao Jali and Madame Wong were both filled with ineffable delight. Little wonder, is it, smiled old Lady Jia. If the snuff of the lamb crackled time and again, and if it formed and reformed into a hat, it was indeed sure to come to this today. While she conversed on everyday topics, the presents had to be put away, and as she at the same time expressed a wish to keep the new arrivals to partake of some wine and eatables, Lady Feng had, needless to say, much extra work added to her ordinary duties. Li Wen and Bao Chai, the standard, of course, with their aunts and cousins on the events that had transpired since their separation. But Da Yu, though when they first met, continued in cheerful spirits, could not again, when the recollection afterwards flashed through her mind that one and all had their relatives, and that she alone had not a soul to rely upon, avoid withdrawing out of the way and giving vent to tears. Bao Yu, however, read her feelings, and he had to do all that lay in his power to exhort her and to console her for a time before she cheered up. Bao Yu then hurried into the Yi Hong court. Going up to Zhe Ren, Xie Yu, and Qing Wen, don't you yet hasten to go and see them? He smiled. Who'd ever have fancied that cousin Bao Chai's own cousin would be what he is? That cousin of hers is so unique in appearance and in deportment. He looks as if he were cousin Bao Chai's uterine younger brother. But what's still more odd is that you should have kept on saying the whole day long that cousin Bao Chai is a very beautiful creature. You should now see her cousin, as well as the two girls of her senior sister-in-law. I couldn't adequately tell you what they are like. Good heavens, good heavens. What subtle splendor and spiritual beauty must you possess to produce beings like them, so superior to other human creatures? How plain it is that I am like a frog wallowing at the bottom of a well. I have throughout every hour of the day said to myself that nowhere could any girls be found to equal those at present in our home. 
but as it happens i haven't had far to look even in our own native sphere one would appear to eclipse the other here i have now managed to add one more stratum to my store of learning but can it possibly be that outside these few there can be any more like them as he uttered these sentiments he smiled to himself but Jiren noticed how much under the influence of his insane fits he once more was and she promptly abandoned all idea of going over to pay her respects to the visitors ching wen and the other girls had already gone and seen them and come back putting on a smile you'd better they urged Jiren, be off at once and have a look at them our elder mistress niece miss bao's cousin and our senior lady's two sisters resemble a bunch of four leagues so pretty are they but scarcely were these words out of their lips than they perceived tan chun too entered the room beaming with smiles she came in quest of pao yu our poetical society is in a flourishing way she remarked it is smiled pao yu here no sooner do we in the exuberance of our spirits start a poetical society than the devils and gods bring through their agency all these people in our midst there's only one thing however have they i wonder ever learned how to write poetry or not i just now asked every one of them tan chun replied the ideas of themselves are modest is true yet from all i can gather there's not one who can't versify but should there even be any who can't there's nothing hard about it just look at Xiangling. her case will show you the truth of what i say of the whole lot smiled ching wen miss xie's cousin carries the palm what do you think about her mr xie it's really so tan chun responded in my own estimation even her elder cousin and all this bevy of girls are not fit to hold a candle to her Jiren felt much surprised at what she heard this is indeed odd she smiled whence could one hunt up any better would like to go and have a peep at her our venerable sinner tan chun observed was at the very first sight of her so charmed with her that there's nothing she wouldn't do she had already compelled our madame sin to adopt her as a godchild our dear ancestor wishes to bring her up herself this point was settled a little while back pao yu went into ecstasies is this a fact he eagerly inquired how often have i gone in for yarns tan chun said now that our worthy senior continuing she laughed has got this nice granddaughter she has banished from her mind all thought of a grandson like you never mind answered pao yu smiling it's only right that girls should be more doted upon but tomorrow is the sixteenth so we should have a meeting that girl lin da yu is no sooner out of bed tan chun remarked then cousin secunda falls ill again everything is in fact up and down our cousin secunda pao yu explained doesn't also go in very much for verses so what would it matter if she were left out it would be well to wait a few days tan chun urged until the newcomers have had time to see enough of us to become intimate we can then invite them to join us 
Won't this be better? Our senior sister-in-law and cousin Bao have now no mind for poetry. Besides, Xiang Yun has not arrived. Ping Er is just over her sickness. The members are not all, therefore, in a fit state. So wouldn't it be preferable if we waited until that girl Yun came? The new arrivals will also have a chance of becoming friendly. Ping Er will likewise recover entirely. Our senior sister-in-law and cousin Bao will have time to compose their minds, and Xiang Ling will improve in her verses. We shall then be able to convene a full meeting. And won't it be better? You and I must now go over to our worthy ancestors on the other side and hear what's up. But barring cousin Bao Chai's cousin, for we needn't take her into account, as it's sure to have been decided that she should live in our home. If the other three are not to stay here with us, we should entreat our grandmother to let them as well take up their quarters in the garden. And if we succeed in adding a few more to our number, won't it be more fun for us? Bao Yu at these words was so much the more gratified that his very eyebrows distended and his eyes laughed. You've got your wits about you, he speedily exclaimed. My mind is ever so dull. I've vainly given way to a fit of joy, but to think of these contingencies was beyond me. So saying, the two cousins repaired together to their grandmother's suite of apartments, where, in point of fact, Madame Wong had already gone through the ceremony of recognizing She Bao Qin as her godchild. Dr. Lady Jia's fascination for her, however, was so much out of the common run that she did not tell her to take up her quarters in the garden. Overnight, she therefore slept with old Lady Jia in the same rooms, while She Ke put up in Xue Peng's study. Your niece needn't either return home, Dr. Lady Jia observed to Madame Singh, let her spend a few days in the garden and see the place before she goes. Madame Xin's brother and sister-in-law were indeed in straitened circumstances at home, so much so that they had, on their present visit to the capital, actually to rely upon such accommodation as Madame Singh could procure for them, and upon such help towards their travelling expenses as she could afford to give them. When she subsequently heard her proposal, Madame Singh was, of course, only too glad to comply with her wishes and readily she handed Xin Xiu Yan to the charge of Lady Feng. But Lady Feng, bethinking herself of the number of young ladies already in the garden, of their divergent dispositions, and above all things, of the inconvenience of starting a separate household, deemed it advisable to send her to live along with Ying Chun. For in the event, she thought of Xie Xiu Yan meeting afterwards with any contrarieties, she herself would be clear of all responsibilities, even though Madame Singh came to hear about them. Deducting therefore any period spent by Xie Shou Yan on a visit home, Lady Feng allowed Xie Shou Yan as well, if she extended her stay in the garden of Broad Vista for any time over a month, an amount equal to that allotted to Ying Chun. Lady Feng weighed with unprejudiced eye Xi Shou Yan's temperament and deportment. She found in her not the least resemblance to Madame Xin, or even to her father and mother, but thought her a most genial and love-inspiring girl. This consideration actuated Lady Feng 
not to deal harshly with her, but to pity her instead for the poverty in which they were placed at home, and for the hard lot she had to bear, and to treat her with far more regard than she did any of the other young ladies. Madame Singh, however, did not lavish much attention on her. Da Jai Madame Wang, and the rest had all along been fond of Li Wen for her virtues and benevolent character. Besides, her countenance in remaining a widow at her tender age commanded general esteem. When they therefore now saw her husbandless sister-in-law come to pay her a visit, they would not allow her to go and live outside the mansion. Her sister-in-law was, it is true, extremely opposed to the proposal, but as Dowager Lady Jia was firm in her determination, she had no other cause but to settle down, along with Li Wen and Li Qi in the Daoshan village. They had by this time assigned quarters to all the newcomers, when who would have thought it? Xi Ding, Marquis of Zhongjing, was once again appointed to a high office in another province, and he had shortly to take his family and proceed to his post. But so little could old Lady Jia brook the separation from Xiang Yun that she kept her behind and received her in her own home. Her original idea was to have asked Lady Feng to have separate rooms arranged for her. But Xi Xiangyun was so obstinate in the refusal, her sole wish being to put up with Bao Chai, that the idea had, in consequence, to be abandoned. At this period, the Garden of Broad Vista was again much more full of life than it had ever been before. Li Wen was the chief inmate. The rest consisted of Ying Chun, Tan Chen, Xi Chun, Bao Chai, Dai Yu, Xiangyun, Li Wen, Li Qi. Bao Qing and Xi Shuyan. In addition to these, there were Lady Feng and Bao Yu, so that they mustered thirteen in all. As regards age, respective of Li Wen, who was by far the eldest, and Lady Feng, who came next, the other inmates did not exceed fourteen, sixteen, or seventeen, but the majority of them had come into the world in the same year, though in different months, so they themselves could not remember distinctly who was senior and who junior. Even Dowager Lady Jia, Madame Wang and the matrons and maids in the household were unable to tell the differences between them with any accuracy, given as they were to the simple observance of addressing themselves promiscuously and quite at random by the four words representing female cousin and male cousin. Xiang Ling was gratifying her wishes to her heart's content and devoting her mind exclusively to the composition of verses, not presuming, however, to make herself too much of a nuisance to Bao Chai, when, by a lucky coincidence, Xi Xiangyun came on the scene. But how was it possible for one so loquacious as Xiangyun to avoid the subject of verses, when Xiangling repeatedly begged her for explanations? This inspirited her so much the more that not a day went by, yea, not a single night on which she did not start some loud argument and lengthy discussion. You really, Bao Chai felt impelled to laugh, kick up such a din, that is quite unbearable. Fancy a girl doing nothing else than turning poetry into a legitimate thing for raising an argument. Why, were some literary persons to hear you, they would, instead of praising you, have a laugh at your expense, and say that you don't mind your own business. We hadn't, 
he had got rid of Chang Ling with all her rubbish, and here we have a chatterbox like you thrown on us. But what is it that that mouth of yours keep on jabbering? What about the bathos of Du Gong Bu and the undaunted refinement of Wei Shu Zhou? What also about Wen Ba Cha's elegant diction and the Yi Shan's abstrusiveness? A pack of silly fools that you are. Do you in any way behave like girls should? These sneers evoked laughter from both Chang Ling and Shang Yun, but in the course of their conversation, they perceived Bao Qing drop in with a waterproof wrapper thrown over her, so dazzling with its gold and purplish colors that they were at a loss to make out what sort of article it could be. Where did you get this? Bao Cha eagerly inquired. It was snowing, Bao Qing smilingly replied. So her venerable ladyship turned up this piece of clothing and gave it to me. Chang Ling drew near and passed it under inspection. No wonder, she exclaimed, it looks so handsome. It's verily woven with peacock's feathers. What about peacock's feathers? Xiang Yun laughed. It's made of the feathers plucked from the heads of wild ducks. This is a clear sign that our worthy ancestor is fond of you, for with all her love for Bao Yu, she hasn't given it to him to wear. Truly does the proverb say that every human being has his respective lot. Bao Chai smiled. Nothing ever was further from my thoughts than that she would, at this juncture, drop on the scene. Come she may, but here she also gets our dear ancestor to lavish such a love on her. Unless you stay with our worthy senior, Xiang Yun said, to come into the garden, you may roam and laugh and eat and drink as much as you like in these two places. But when you get over to Madame Singh's rooms, talk and joke with her, if she be at home to your heart's content, it won't matter if you tarry ever so long. But should she not be in, don't put your foot inside. For the inmates are many in those rooms, and their hearts are evil. All they're up to is to do us harm. These words much amused Bao Chai, Bao Qing, Xiang Ling, Ying Er, and the others present. Were one to say, Bao Chai smiled, that you are heartless, it wouldn't do, for you've got a heart. But despite your having a heart, your tongue is, in fact, a little too outspoken. You should really today acknowledge this Qing Er of ours as your own sister. This article of clothing, Xiang Yun laughed, casting another glance at Bao Qing, is only meet for her to wear. It wouldn't really look well on anyone else. Saying this, she espied Wu Po enter the room. Our old mistress, she put in, smiling, bade me tell you, Miss Bao Chai, not to keep too strict a check over Miss Qing, for she is yet young, that you should let her do as she pleases, and that whatever she wants, you should ask for, and not be afraid. Bao Chai hastily jumped to her feet and signified her obedience. Pushing Bao Qing, she laughed. Even you couldn't tell whence this piece of good fortune hails from, she said. Be off now, for mind, we might hurt your feelings. I can never believe myself so inferior to you. As she spoke, Bao Yu and Da Yu walked in, but as Bao Chai continued to indulge in raillery to herself, Cousin Bao, 
Xiang Yun smilingly remonstrated. You may, it's true, be jesting, but what if there were anyone to entertain such ideas in real earnest? If anyone took things in earnest, Wu Po interposed, laughing, why, should give offense to no one else but to him? Pointing as she uttered this remark at Bao Yu, is not that sort of person? Bao Chai and Shang Yun simultaneously ventured with a significant smile. If it isn't he, Wu Po proceeded, still laughing, it's she, turning again her finger towards Da Yu. Xiang Yun expressed not a word by way of rejoinder. That's still less likely, Bao Chai smiled. For my cousin is like her own sister, and she's far fonder of her than of me. How could she therefore take offense? Do you credit that nonsensical trash uttered by Yuan Er? Why, what could ever comes out of that mouth of hers? Bao Yu was ever well aware that Da Yu was gifted with a somewhat mean disposition. He had not, however, as had come to learn anything of what had recently transpired between Da Yu and Bao Chai. He was therefore just giving way to fears lest his grandmother's fondness for Bao Qing should be the cause of her feeling dejected. But when he now heard the remarks passed by Xiang Yun and the rejoinders made, on the other hand, by Bao Chai, and when he noticed how different Tai Yu's voice and manner were from former occasions, and how they actually bore out Bao Chai's insinuation, he was at a great loss how to solve the mystery. These two, he consequently pondered, were never like this before. For all I can now see, they're really a hundred times far more friendly than any others are. But presently he also observed Lin Dai Yu rush after Bao Qing and call out sister, and without even making any allusion to her name or any mention to her surname, treat her in every respect just as if she were her own sister. This Bao Qing was young and warm-hearted. She was naturally, besides, of an intelligent disposition. She had, from her very youth up, learned how to read and how to write. After a stay on the present occasion, of a couple of days in the Jia mansion, she became acquainted with nearly every inmate. And as she saw that the whole bevy of young ladies were not of a haughty nature, and that they kept on friendly terms with her own cousin, she did not feel disposed to treat them with any discourtesy. But she had likewise found out for herself that Lin Da Yu was the best among the whole lot. So she started with Da Yu more than with anyone else, a friendship of unusual fervor. This does not escape Bao Yu's notice, but all he could do was to secretly give way to amazement. Shortly, however, Bao Chai and her cousin repaired to Mrs. Cher's quarters. Xiang Yun then betook herself to Dao Lady Jia's apartments, while Lin Yu returned to her room and lay down to rest. End of section 48